G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The Story Yeah, my sister was in the kitchen with my uh, younger brother. She was um, giving him breakfast and the smoke started coming through into the kitchen. She realised it, she ran in, but she couldn't get me because of the smoke and and, uh, everything else that was going on. And so she did the next best thing. She ran next door, Mom, there's a fire. As my sister had ran out of the house, the door slammed shut, which meant my mum couldn't get back in to rescue me. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today, unfortunately, we have one that starts off quite tragic. Peter Gladwin was only one year old when he was burned in a horrific house fire. As Peter grew up in the northern part of England, he was always haunted by the question, why did this happen to me? We'll find out his story today and how God restores his life as he has a chat with Eric Scadabo. Peter Gladwin, welcome to the program. Well, it's great to be with you, Eric, and your listeners. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much for joining us. And we're going to talk to you about your book and the experiences you went through, Out of the Ashes, The Restoration of a Burned Boy. So we'll obviously find out about that tragedy that happened when you were one years old, when you were in a fire. But first, you wanted to start off with scripture verses. Yeah, there's a a scripture verse that really... um, has meant a lot to me, and it's from um, it's from Psalm forty, mm-hmm. and it says this: I waited patiently for the Lord, and He heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock, making my footsteps firm. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many people will see and fear, and will trust in the Lord. And you chose those verses because that's more or less what happened in your life? Yeah. Um, as you'll hear, as the listeners will hear, I I was in a, a real, really bad state. I was I was in a pit. Mm. And to be honest with you, there was no way out for me in my own strength. And there was nothing in the world that could pull me out of this pit, if I'm honest, Eric. Mm. I was in very, very dire straits and um, it, an impossible situation. Okay, well, we're going to get to that very low point in your life. But first, we want to go back to your childhood. What was it like growing up in the northern part of England? Well, I come from the northern, um, the West Yorkshire area of, uh, of England. And it was quite tough to be brought up in that uh, part of the world. Um, you know, it's a place where there's, there's not really, you know, major opportunities in life. Um, it was quite economically dependent on the South, mm. but we socially, uh, we, we, we struggled. Um, you know, it was a very working class mm. area of the United Kingdom. People worked in the mines, people worked in the, the steel yards, the shipyards. Mm-hmm. Now take us to that fateful morning in 1960. Well, yeah, my life didn't get off to a very good start at the age of uh, one years of age. I was involved in a house fire, mm. 
Um, basically, I was put on the rug in front of the coal fire and uh, my mum nipped next door for a cup of tea. And uh, yeah, a piece of coal fell out of the fire onto the rug. Mm. And as a result, I was horrifically burnt. Um, I've got 65% burns down my body. My fingers uh, partially, um, well, my fingers on my left hand amputated. Uh, I also, both of my feet partially amputated. Oh, wow. Um, and so uh, I was horrifically burnt. I was in hospital for about two and a half years, um, having the plastic surgery, reconstructive surgery. And uh, when I was released, I was actually released in a wheelchair. Oh, um, wow. I didn't really learn to walk until um, I was about seven years of age. And your sister was there with you originally when it happened? Yeah, my sister was in the kitchen with my uh, younger brother. She was um, giving him breakfast and the smoke started coming through into the kitchen. She realised it, she ran in, but she couldn't get me because of the smoke and, mm. and uh, everything else that was going on. And so she did the next best thing. She grabbed my brother, ran out screaming out of the house, ran next door, Mom, there's a fire, there's a fire. And Mom ran to the house screaming but tragically she uh, tried to get into the house as my sister had run out of the house the door slammed shut as she ran out of the house so which meant my mom couldn't get back in to rescue me oh so the door locked the door locked oh wow so you were one years old at this time and how old was your sister my sister was nearly five so just a, a tragic event and as you shared burned on like over 65 percent of your body you said yeah, that's right. As I say, I've got scars all the way from down the left-hand side of my face all the way down to my feet. And all my legs are burnt, part of my body's burnt. Um, yeah, lost my fingers and, as I say, partially amputated feet. Wow. Now, I imagine at one years old, you you don't remember any of this. Is that right? Well, I, I def- funny enough, uh, I do remember uh, little bits. Um, right? I remember being rushed down a corridor and, and I remember looking up and seeing lights flashing on and off. So I remember that. I also remember that for some reason, I remember looking out of a window, whether this was actually happening, I'm not sure, but Mm. I was looking out of a window and I saw a man standing at a gate waving at me. And as I looked at this man, I I just sensed a real sense of security and a real sense of peace. In fact, in my mind's eye now, I can still see him. Wow, and um, I don't, you know, it's incredible. It's all, I can't make sense of it. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, reality, but I do know that that has always been with me. That that image of that man standing at the gate and bringing me comfort. Wow. Well, maybe maybe a precursor of uh, the comfort that the Lord ultimately brought you. But now we're getting a little bit ahead of the story. Meanwhile, you're growing up. You have these injuries, deformities, and you're confused as to what happened well that's right um basically because of my mom was uh, had gone out of the house and my dad he was out on the town and my dad had a problem with drinking and gambling um i was left in in the house yes my sister was in the other room but my mom could never or my dad could never ever answer my question as to what happened to me because i grew up looking at a scarred and, and uh, disabled body, mm. but never, re- obviously I knew I'd been in some sort of fire, yeah. but never ever understanding what happened to cause these serious injuries. 
because every time I used to broach it um, with my parents, my parents would would just say, Peter, that's a tragic event. We don't go there anymore. We we forgot that. That's gone. You know, kind of selfish of my parents. You yeah, know, that doesn't not, really help not, the situation, does it? No, it doesn't because if somebody, if a child, in, say a child runs out into the street and falls over, the child comes running in and the 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 the, the parent sits the child on the knee and says, "Oh dear me, look what you've done! You've fallen over." You know, and it it just brings comfort. But yeah, you know, I've got to say that it was my, my family had a, a pretty. Um, you know, they, they, they were they, they were very poor. They were, you know, my mom and dad were, you know, my mom had nine tr- went on to have another nine children. You oh, know, wow. and um, you know they were. My dad never worked because of an illness, and their relationship was rocky from the start. And you know, my dad, as I say, my dad was a drinker. You know, my mom would, could get quite violent at times, and um, you know, so so yeah, they couldn't tell me what happened, and. Um, the guilt, I suppose, you know, the guilt of it, yeah. you know, and, and, and for for over 30 years, you know, I reminded them of, of that, mm. what happened that particular day. And meanwhile, in your life, you're growing up confused and what else was happening inside of you? Well, yeah, I grew up with this big question mark. Mm. What, 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 what's happened? You know, what, why is this taking place? What, not just why. What, what's it? What the consequences going to be for for my future? Because having no toes, having amputated, partially amputated feet, and no fingers on my left hand, it, that's going to limit me in my future. So mm. I grew up with this very negative attitude that I didn't have a future. Oh wow! I got quite depressed as a kid growing up. And you're also in a very rough neighbourhood. And I was in a very rough neighbourhood. There was alcoholism, there was violence, there was drugs, there was all sorts going on, immorality. It was it's a shocking place to be brought up. So having this as well, it's like a double whammy, mm-hmm. you know, which, mm-hmm. to be honest, it, it, it gave me no hope at all, no hope at all for for the future. But um, but life is, is, is like that sometimes. You think you've got no hope and... You go around these corners in life. Things happen to us in life, but little did I know, later down the the uh, the, the road of life, something remarkable was about to happen. But at this point, you know, as I say, I was um, I was on my own, and I was in a big world, a very big, scary world at that as well. You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scadabo is chatting with Peter Gladwin, author of the book Out of the Ashes, The Restoration of a Burned Boy. We'll hear more of his story and how God enters into his life when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're back with Eric Scadabo having a chat with Peter Gladwin, author of the book Out of the Ashes, The Restoration of a Burned Boy. And as we heard before the break, Peter was burned in a tragic house fire when he was only one year old. Then he grew up in northern England, always wondering, why did this happen to me? With all this confusion in his mind, he began to engage in very troublesome behaviour. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, as like I say, I was brought up, you know, in a, a terrible environment where it was quite common for people to thieve. It was common for people to uh, get into trouble with the police, you know, in all sorts of areas. You know, my dad, he, he spent a time in prison. Mm. Um, and so like father, like son, isn't it? I mean, I'm yeah. learning from my father. I'm learning all the tricks of the trade, that, like, like, like they say. And, and eventually, yeah, at the age of, from the age of about, um, 10, uh, up to, uh, you know, up into my early teens, I, I, I got into a lot of trouble with the police. I, um, in fact, actually, I was convicted of 111 theft offences. 111? Um, 111. Oh, wow. So this um, wasn't just a little troublesome behavior. This was a lot. <laughs> well, this is, I was known as a prolific offender. Oh, wow. And, at 13 years of age and uh, yeah I was sent to prison um, I went way off the tracks mm. way off and then things got even worse for you physically well that's right I um, I was travelling home on a bus with a friend we went upstairs on the top deck the bus stopped a load of lads about 16, 17 um, year old lads got onto this bus and we were from another part of um, the village and there was a lot of tension between villages in those days, mm -hmm. and boy, did we get beaten. They beat us terribly. Why, just because you uh, were from the wrong side of town? We huh? were wrong, yeah, wrong side of town. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, one of them decided that a beating wasn't enough. He pulled out a 10-inch knife, oh, wow. and uh, in front of me, he stuck it straight into my mate's back. Oh. Um, my friend, he fell on the um, uh, face down onto the deck. Uh, mm -hmm. He then looked at me. I was between the seats of the bus, and he then came at me with the knife raised. Oh, I thought to myself, I was, you know, I couldn't believe it. I thought I'm 15 years of age and I'm about to die. Mm. And um, anyway, he came to stab me in my chest, but I turned instinctively and just put my arm across my chest and the knife, instead of going into my chest, went deep into my arm. Mm, your and, good arm. Yeah, my, my good arm. And uh, I've got about a 10-inch wound from this stabbing. Mm. But the, the knife went in so deep that it severed my tendons oh, wow. in my right arm. And as a result of that, I lost the use of my right arm for two and a half years. I had no feeling whatsoever in my in my fingers. Couldn't wow. move my arm. So now I've got no fingers on my left hand, and now I'm crippled in my right hand. Unbelievable. Yeah, just when you thought things couldn't get any worse. Well, this is it, isn't it? it um, sometimes life is like that, you know. But actually things do get worse. Well, they do. And, and um, at the age of 24, the way I used to handle the pain of the past is I turned to alcohol and drugs and, you know, just like people do sometimes and mm. thinking that that's the answer to forget the pain, bury it, but it comes back with a vengeance all mm -hmm. the time. And I was drunk in the street and, um, yeah, I was hit by a car. Wow. Knocked 16 foot up in the air, landed in the middle of the road. That's where, and I was left for dead. Your story isn't sounding too good at, up to this point, Peter. Well, no. I mean, as a result, my, my skull was bust, my, my, my leg was broke, my, mm. my body was bust up. I was back in hospital. And that's when, you know, I started asking the question, why me? Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on? Yeah. You know, why Why me? What, the burn, the stabbing, now I'm back in hospital, I'm crippled again. You know, um, hopeless situation, absolute hopeless. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I, um, I, I just got out of hospital after about three months on crutches. 
in, sat in my mum's house depressed, went to live with my mum and just, I was so depressed, it was unbelievable. Just drinking and drinking cans of beer and what I could afford, you know, and and it was just, my life just, just continued to go downward, downward, downward. And as I say, there was no real hope whatsoever. Uh, then when I was 27 years of age, I got the news that my father had committed suicide. My oh, dad wow. killed himself. Um, tragic life, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, as I say earlier, he was a gambler, he was a drinker. Um, he didn't really have any, you know, he didn't really have any purpose, real purpose. Obviously, you think, well, he's got kids, but as I say, his addictions got in the way of that and mm. um, affected him badly. And yeah, uh, tragically, he killed himself and again, left that big... Big question mark, why, 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 you know, on the family. And that eventually led you to think about suicide as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got to a state in my own life when, you know, a few years later, when I was 30 years of age, where I wanted to end my life because it was, as I say, I couldn't get rid of the pain of the past and um, the world, there was nothing in the world that could remove such deep hurt and pain. So I, I decided that the only way was to, to perhaps to kill myself and uh, I stood on a bridge in Halifax, West Yorkshire with the thoughts of jumping off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I stepped back because I, I turned round to my right hand side and my mum lived in a block of flats just at the right hand side of this bridge mm-hmm. and she lived on the fifth floor and I could see uh, that I counted the floors, one, two, three, four, five. And so instead of jumping off this bridge, I actually, um, I went up to my mum's. Funny how we always return home, don't we? (laughs) (laughs) So you decided to have a cup of tea with your mother? Yeah, well, I went into my mum's and and my mum asked me how I was. And for the first time in my life, I took my mask off and stopped pretending that I was Mm. all right. I I just said, mum, I'm broken, I'm busted. You know, there's no way out for me, mum. I'm hooked on drugs, gambling. Immorality. I'm, I'm a total mess, mum. Yeah, in my mom's front room, tiny front room. You know, it's um, it's incredible, really, because you know my mom said something to me that day. She didn't know what to say in terms of to bring comfort into my life, but she said, "I'll ring Annette." Now, my sister, unbeknown to me, had become a born again Christian, a committed Christian, mm. about eight eight weeks previously and so she handed me the phone and wow she she shared a message with me that blew me away really and I didn't fully understand it I suppose but I just knew it was the answer it was it was almost like somebody had thrown me a, um, a life jacket mm-hmm. um, like I was drowning out of the sea it was like um, being winched up out of the sea in an helicopter. It was almost like, do you know what I mean? Wow. uh, I didn't fully understand what was going on, but my my sister, she shared with me that God loved me Mm -hmm. and that he had a plan for my life. And, you know, to enter into this plan, all I had to do was confess my sin. Well, I knew I was a sinner, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. and It it um, didn't take much convincing of that. No, exactly. Exactly. You know, I, I was aware that, for many years, I'd I'd messed up my life, and you know, done wrong things, gone down the wrong the wrong roads, the wrong track. And so, yeah, on the telephone, I said a simple prayer of confession, and I asked Jesus to come into my life. Obviously, I did not feel, you know, um, fully fully recovered hundred percent, but maybe twenty percent. Mm-hmm. I wanted to live again. 
Yeah. Before I heard this message, I wanted to get out of this world. But when I heard this message, I didn't want to die. I wanted to live. And so, yeah, I cried out to God on the telephone and I asked him to come into my life. And um, I went to church for the first time that night. And wow, I felt God's presence even more powerfully. And so that was the beginning of uh, your life changing. That was the beginning of my journey. Mm -hmm. I've been on a journey ever since. And, um, you know, even though, let me say that a Christian journey is tough, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very challenging, but God's grace, God's love, God's mercy, God's power. Yeah. Wow. I mean, today, today I'm drug free. I'm alcohol free. I'm gambling free. I don't even smoke cigarettes, but more powerfully, I have been set free from the pain of the past. Yeah, that sounds like, uh, you know, we were chasing your life journey and there were many, many reasons why you should be despondent because on earthly terms, it looked like you had no hope, no future. But finally, your sister shared with you the message of Jesus and the gospel. And as you mentioned, you were kind of thrown a lifeline that finally there was a reason to have hope, to know that there was more to life than everything you had experienced up to that point in your life. Well, that's right. Going back to that psalm, it says, He set my feet upon a rock Mm -hmm. and made my footsteps firm. I mean, for the first time in my life, I knew that I had a purpose. I knew that life was different. I was looking in the wrong direction for purpose in life, for meaning in life. Now I look to God. Mm. God is an eternal God. I look to Him for purpose, for value. And wow, God is faithful and he, and he provides that. You know, the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. and all things shall be added unto you. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, value, purpose, acceptance. Uh, as I say, I feel totally, totally healed from the rejection of mm-hmm. the past, from the trauma of the past, from the sin of the past. And that is a miracle for me. Amen. That is an absolute miracle. I know, I know that my Jesus lives. I know. Amen. Because he lives in me and I felt his power. Um, I've, I've received his power and I'm a better person today. I am who I am supposed to be, a healed person walking in the love of God. Hallelujah. Amen, but it gets even better than that. Unfortunately, we're running out of time, so we only have a few more moments to wrap things up. But you not only are healed yourself, but because of what you've gone through, you are able to minister to others, and you start your own ministry. Uh, In our few remaining moments, can you kind of get us up to date about the exciting things happening in your life now? Well, yeah, just to say that after I became a Christian, after two years, God sent me to Bible college, which was a massive challenge Mm -hmm. because I left education. Um, mainstream education with no qualifications but um, but yeah God sent me to Bible college I, I, I remember crying out to God Lord I can't do that mm. I felt the Lord say to me no you can't but I can help you to do it mm. and it's often God sends you to mountains that you can't climb in your own strength you know and mm-hmm. um, yeah so I went to Bible college uh, I met my wife at um, should I say bridal college um, <laughs> I met my wife there a Swiss uh, uh, a Swiss girl called Sarah I graduated from Bible college incredibly um, we went down and, uh, to live in the south of England I ended up believe it or not working in a prison can you believe it I was in prison <laughs> at 13 God opened up a door for me to work as a probation service officer in a prison how incredible is that not only that 
after a couple of years, two and a half years of working there, I got promoted and I got promoted to go work at the Crown Court to serve the judge. <laughs> <laughs> at 13, I was before the judge and now I'm serving the judge. And, wow. you know, I worked there for a few, a, a number of years and then God called me out to serve the eternal judge. Uh, <laughs> he gave us a ministry called Out of the Ashes Ministries. And, uh, yeah, today we go all over the world uh, sharing the good news about Jesus, how we can transform people's lives all wow. over the world that's and, fantastic and, and but there's one last thing i forgot to ask you about yeah, and that is Sorry. your mother what wow. happened with your relationship with your mother my mom became a, a committed christian and born again christian about six months after i became a christian and i had another special moment in my mom's flat um not only did i give my life to jesus in this same flat but mm. about um maybe about a, a year after becoming a christian i sat down with my mom and for the first time, I looked at my mom and I said, Mom, Mom, we're both committed Christians. We live by the truth. Do you want to tell me what happened? She had never told you what happened to you as a child. She had never, ever told me, nor mm. my dad. You know, not just my mom, but nor my dad. And I said to my mom, do you want to tell me now, Mom? Mom, I'm, I can take it. I'm a born-again Christian. And in tears, my mom began to share with me what happened that day. Mm. But I tell you what, it wasn't just wonderful for me in terms of freedom. To see the, the guilt and to see that pain and that, that burden she'd carried, it's like a chain wrapped around her. To see that lift, forgive me, I'm getting a bit emotional here, but I tell mm. you, to see that lift from my mum was absolutely beautiful. You know, uh, for the first time in her life, she taught, she spoke about it. And, you know, my mum, she passed away a few years ago. She's now with the Lord. She's in perfect peace. And um, and I know the truth. Jesus said, know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Well, Peter, you've been on an incredible journey. And not only have you been set free, but obviously your sister before you. And then also, as you just shared, your mother as well. And now you're on the road with your ministry, Out of Ashes Ministry, and helping to set other people free as well. Peter Gladwin, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. God bless you. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Peter Gladwin about his remarkable life story, a story that, quite frankly, began very tragically with him being burned in a house fire and then got even worse. But not only has God restored his life, now Peter is the leader of a worldwide ministry and God is using his incredible story to allow him to minister to other burned victims or anyone who can relate to the difficulties that Peter has gone through. Fantastic. To learn more about Peter Gladwin's ministry and his book, the website is outofashes.co.uk. That's outofashes.co.uk. And once again, the name of Peter's book is Out of the Ashes, The Restoration of a Burned Boy. Well, thanks for joining us for Peter's inspiring story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. My husband Joe moved to Walker, we moved to Walker. I cook my food, sell it in the Sunday market. People love my food and say to start shop. I saw one room, rent. 270 a month and I rent a shop and I shop use it for the Lord help people well if you happen to be driving through the town of Wagga Wagga in New South Wales and you're looking for a friendly place with something good to eat Nabiha would be happy to welcome you to her restaurant with open arms quite literally Nabiha was born in Lebanon 
and almost drowned in a storm on the boat trip to Australia in 1969. We'll find out her incredible story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.